Okay. Hey, welcome. Welcome to this first episode of the podcast. I've been thinking about doing this for a while. Um, but, you know, being the director of your own company and doing <laughs> a lot of things, um, you know, you know, I have to question myself, did I have time? But I have the time. I'm here. I'm here. And I wanted to do this because, um, you know, day in, day out, I talk to people about race in quite a, a measured way. And it has to be that way for many reasons. Um, and so this just this podcast just provides a space to speak uh, have conversations and just be uh, a bit more relaxed about it. Okay. So what is this podcast designed to do? Bear with me. I'm looking at my notes, right? So, um, what is designed to do is to provide, continue to provide an anti-racism education. So the kind of things I'll do is I'll break down some topics. I'll, um, explore some books, explore some of the research, but again, just offer, offer a bit more of an opportunity to spend time over projects, um, projects, uh, topics and explain in more detail, provide, provide examples of what I mean. Um, I also plan to interview people leaders of organizations, people who are doing this really well, because the idea of this is just to share the knowledge so people feel as though, okay, I'm getting it, or there's a place I can go to get more information. And this is that place. Okay. Um, and also to answer your questions. So, you know, I welcome questions around anti-racism and diversity, equity, and inclusion in general. And, you know, uh, I will respond as, as much as I can. So the plan is for this to be weekly, but if, you know, we have a particularly really busy week, look, look please don't hold me to it, but generally um, these are going to be weekly. And so you get to deepen your, your knowledge and your thinking around this. Um, be exposed to more language and terminology, particularly around anti-racism, but again, um, recognizing that we have to take an intersectional approach, um, DEI in general. So again, so I'll start again, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion all right and we get to continue the conversation again in that safe space and you get to know me a bit more so that's what this is about uh so yeah me who am i so not everybody knows who i am so let me explain i'm rebecca hemmings i am the director of strawberry words strawberry words is a training cons consultancy a very small training consultancy based here in birmingham and i've been running this since 2002. so initially when we started we weren't in the current format we were actually a theater and education company known as harvey arts um but we were always around ex we always worked around the topic of exploring culture so we used to do that with children we would work with children who came from overseas and we helped them to work with the british born children to get to know each other through storytelling through putting on performances through playing games um that work was really popular and so that grew into teacher training. So we take what we'd learned about being aware of other cultures and, and we put that into a training course. So we taught cultural awareness and, you know, we did that for many years and, but then it stopped. It stopped because um, we, you know, I wanted to talk more about race, but at the time, and we're talking around um, 20, 2009, 2010, I, I felt as though, well, I knew that at that time, the conversation really wasn't open. To, um, people weren't open to having that conversation. And 
there was a moment where I would share, I would share the fact that we all prejudge, right? It's just the nature of human beings. I didn't know the term unconscious bias then, um, but I, you know, I'd come in and say, you know, we all prejudge, you know, it's just who we are as human beings. You know, we, you know, we think that the way that our parents brought us up is the right way. And so therefore, if somebody does something the another way, then, um, you know, we tend to judge that. That's just how we are. You know, and I'd give examples such as, you know, and this is all lighthearted stuff because I thought you could just have these conversations and just be lighthearted. Everyone just feel happy and nice. Uh, I soon learned that wasn't the case. So, so I would give examples yeah. uh, such as, um, you know, where I was brought up, you know, my family's Jamaican and I was taught that when you cook chicken, you're meant to wash it. And so when we would hear about friends or when I'd hear about friends at university who don't wash their chicken, that like, look, forget the advice out there. We were just told, wash your chicken. That's, you know, your chicken's going to be clean. It doesn't matter about all the salmonella that's around. Wash your chicken. So, uh, so yeah, so I would judge in my head people who didn't wash their chicken. So I'd give those sorts of ex examples. But I didn't know what was happening inside people at the time. I didn't know. So again, we, we were working with teachers. I didn't know that I was kind of breaking people's foundations, um, tapping into the values that they hold deep. And I was telling them that actually, you know, actually you see this value that you have that you think that you don't judge people? Well, you do. And I didn't come across, you know, with an attitude or anything like that, but I think there was some learning for me to do in, in how I put that across. There was definitely learning for me to do, you know, I wasn't aware of what I was doing to people. And so, yeah, um, one teacher really didn't like that idea. And she says, no, I don't judge people. I treat everybody the same. And cause I know what I know, cause I know what I know, cause I've done the research. I, you know, I came back and I said, well, actually we do. And I gave her many examples. I pointed her to the research, but she wasn't having it. She made a complaint to the school and, you know, um, that scared me. I mean, it was all right, it was fine. In the end, we just kind of agreed to disagree, um, but it scared me because number one, you know, I'm, I've been running my business for a while and my reputation is everything. You know, anyone who runs a business knows that. And so I was scared that this one incident could ruin that. So luckily, you know, it didn't. But also I was more, in it, and the reason why I was really, really scared was because I'd started to um, tap into what it was like to talk about racism. Because up until that point, as I said, I kind of bounced around the edges. Just edges. We spoke about culture, cultural differences, things you should say, things you shouldn't say. You know, the reasons why some children won't look you in the eye and all those kinds of things that people were quite comfortable with. But I started to venture into the area where people were not um, comfortable. And, and it was scary for me. And I, it was scary for the people that I was working with. And I, at the time, I just didn't know how to manage that conversation. I just thought, whoop, that's too much. I'm not doing this. You know, I'll stick to um, delivering like nice diversity workshops in schools or delivering leadership training for diverse groups of people, which we did quite well. Um, but there was also always something in the back of my head that knew that I wanted to continue the conversation, but I just felt as though people weren't ready. So, um, cut a long story short, um, in 2020, as we know, um, George Floyd was murdered and I just started getting calls 
and emails. Rebecca, do you remember you used to do that cultural awareness stuff? Yeah, we need you in to talk about racism. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? You want to talk about race? And because it was like more than one organization that, w that was getting in contact, I started listening because I was like, you know, I was still in that place where we're not talking about race because people are not ready to hear it and it's too much um angst it's too much i felt it was too difficult to have those conversations if people weren't it felt like a fight and i, I didn't want to go to work and fight every day um and so yeah but but all of a sudden people are ask, actually asking to talk about race i thought okay all right then Let's, let's give this another go since people are ready to listen. And so we did, you know, uh, I offered a few free anti-racism talks because I knew I could see from what was going on online. People had questions, people wanted to know, people were hungry. And also, again, from a business standpoint, I wanted people to know that, yeah, okay, we're back out here talking about race. Oh my gosh. Um, the plan was to do these free sessions like bi-monthly. I did two, I had to stop because we were busy. We were so busy. And then initially when I, I say we, it was me. Yeah. Then I quickly got on administrative support because I couldn't do it myself. And so I brought Daniel on immediately. Chantal then took over from um, Danielle. And so she's now working as, a, as my ex executive assistant. I'm now working with freelancers as we speak. Uh, we have Karen, hi Karen, and also Sifo on board, hi Sifo, who are also working as associate trainers for the company. And there have been others, shout out to um, Sharon and Ma Margaret, um, shout out to Salman, shout out, shout out to um, Helga and Sarah. So there've been a few along the way, but initially it was just me. So that's, yeah, that's to kind of bring you up to speed as to where we've come from. But what I want to do with this today is, I want to share with you um, what I know. Now, you know, we've had this really intense two years, really, of just talking about race, or mainly talking about race. So I want to share with you what I know to be true um, about talking about racism, okay? Now, I should have brought, I should have said that at the beginning, right? Look, this is my first episode, bear with me. <laughs> so, what I know to be true about teaching people about racism, racism. So I've got a few notes here, but I might just, yeah, I'll try not to go off on a tangent. Here we go. So um, the biggest learning point for me was understanding that um, I shouldn't assume a basic level of knowledge around racism. That was shocking to me. Now, like I say, we work with a wide range of people, um, mainly leaders. We, you know, we work with employees, but we also we do a lot of work with leaders, board members, um, SMT, um, again, the directors, CEOs of large and small organisations, uh, academics. And I really, in, initially, I've got to be honest, I was really, really surprised at um, the lack of knowledge around what racism really is. So much to the point that now I've built in as a must at the beginning of every single training session, we have to map out what racism is, all right? Because a lot of people still are under the impression that racism is simply calling somebody a name or treating someone badly because of their skin color. 
it's so much more than that. So, um, I mean, essentially it's systemic racism and it's embedded in society. And I use a really, really brilliant definition from Harvard University, which I don't have to hand right now. Um, but it just talks about how people have been put into racial categories and that values have been placed upon those different races, Races, I do that because race is a social construct. It's some, it's man-made. It's not real. Um, but yeah, there's there's been a valuation, a value applied to each race, and there's a hierarchy to that. And white is placed at the top, and and a lot of people, are, you know, usually when I say that, I can I can hear the pin drop in the room. You know, some people already know, many don't. And when I talk about where that came from. I talk about Johann Frederick Blumenbach, you know, and, and his racial taxonomy. And, and I won't go into all that now, but, you know, I, I talk about where it comes from and people are like, oh my goodness, I didn't know this. They don't say that. And I know at that point I've kind of like, I've really, I've kind of done that to people's minds. I know that um, because at that point I will normally ask if there are any questions or any thoughts and this silence. So I know people are kind of really thinking about what's just been said. Okay, so a lot of people don't know this basic information around what systemic racism is and how widespread it is. And it explains why when you see comments online saying, oh, why are you always talking about race? Or, you know, why does it have to always be about race? Or, you know, oh, you've got a chip on your shoulder and all those things. Like, I understand it comes from this place where people have a limited amount of knowledge around what racism truly is. And so part of the mission of Strawberry Words is to make as many people aware as possible of what systemic racism is because until we all have or many of us have this knowledge of what systemic racism is we're still going to get dismissed invalidated to be, you know again be told that it's not a big deal you know you're paranoid or you're making problems where there aren't pro problems you're being diversity oh you're that you're, you're being di um not diversity you're being uh what's the word i'm looking for di div divisive um you're you know, you're part of that woke crew the woke all of that stuff you know it comes from a place of not understanding or not wanting to let, let's be real not wanting to understand what systemic racism is so for those who want to understand understand uh, or for those people who have been asked who are being asked to understand in their workplaces we are here to say look this is what it is so that's just one thing uh, also what I also know to be true when teaching anti-racism is that you've got to meet people where they are people have different um, they come to the table or the training room with different knowledge levels around racism okay and also different um, propensity for taking in that information. Um, it's not easy, it's not easy work. And I warn people about this in the beginning, like don't think, you know, this is not like, um, I say it's not like first aid training, like it's not just about giving you the, the information and there's no emotion attached to that, there is. You know, this is very much personal work as well as it is about, about organizations. So um, I don't assume that everybody uh, will be okay having this conversation. I don't assume that, um, I, I certainly don't assume that it will be a comfortable conversation. It hardly ever is. 
Um, and I, you know, I tell people about, about that. I think that's really important. And then it depends on where people are from also. So people who are from the US tend to be a lot more open about, not always, but generally tend to be a lot more open about having conversations about race. And, and, you know, they're ready to go hard and go in and, and deeper on many other topics. Whereas in England, generally, we aren't there yet. And again, it depends on your experience as to where you are on that continuum. Um, places like um, Hong Kong and New Delhi, again, I found that you have to be, yeah, again, you have to be just aware of the cultures and the language that you're using so that you're not majorly causing offence. So there is a balance to be had when having these conversations. Um, oh, I sigh before I say this one because um, it's sad. What I know to be true is that many, if not most, most black people, and I say black people in particular, but also it applies to other ethnic minorities as well, but certainly black people are traumatized because of racism. And I don't say that word lightly. If you wanna know more about what trauma is around race and racism, check out Dr. Shelley Harrell's work. Just Google Dr. Shelley Harrell and check out her work around this. She has the, she describes six different forms of trauma. Won't go into all of them, but for instance, vicarious trauma is just by having that mere awareness that somebody else who looks like you is going through racism. You can be traumatized because of that. So for instance, I've never watched the George Floyd video. Don't plan to watch it. I don't want those images going round and round in my head. I don't want to be thinking that could have been my brother, that could have been my dad, that could have been my friend. None of that. I don't want none of that. I don't want to be reminded that people hate um, black people and other ethnic minorities so much that they would do that. That would be somebody's natural instinct to cause somebody such harm. Can, they, can you feel the emotion coming from me with me just even talking about it? So I know we're traumatised. And I know that often we have blinkers on or sometimes we can have blinkers on because talking about this work is difficult. I see a therapist weekly, by the way. Like, I knew that coming into this work, I would need to protect myself. I've had cancer, so I'm not trying to get it again because of stress and talking about racism. So I'm very, very, very good at looking after myself, but I'm very, but so I have to make sure that, again, when we have these conversations, that I'm not re-traumatizing um, black people and other ethnic minorities. Okay, uh, what else? Um, I know I'm not gonna win everybody over. Like, it is what it is. Like, it's taken a long time for people to, um, formulate their thoughts and, you know, through the media, through what people say, through the demonization and the dehumanization um, of ethnic minorities. You know, it's a lot, a lot of it's a, a lot of negative stuff and we know this to be true. And so I know that, you know, all that negative stuff that people have, not only in their conscious brain, part of their brain, but also in their subconscious part of the brain, you know, that's going to take time to undo. So I know I'm planting seeds, right? The reason why strawberry words is called strawberry words is because on the average strawberry, you have over 200 seeds. And so we like to think that every time we have an intervention um, with anyone um, or a workshop, any sort, of any sort of touch point, we're planting those seeds of growth, development, and knowledge, all right? And that brings me to my last point around what I know to be true when teaching people about anti-racism, that I know that changing beliefs and attitudes and cultures, it takes time. 
it takes time. It's not going to be done overnight. So I'm never under the illusion that, right, yeah, we're just going to do this one day's training and then everything's going to change. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> That's just not the way it works. Firstly, people need to be aware that this is a problem. And then once they're aware, they start to see things so, you know, and that's if you choose to, you could just continue life. And some people do will continue life, not acknowledging racism. But for those that do choose to take notes, they will start to see, for instance, when the manager walks past the cleaner and doesn't say hello and that disappointed look on that cleaner's face, as an example, or when the shop assistant um, greets the white person really nicely and has a whole conversation with them. When the black person comes, they're silent. They will start to see these things and they will start to realise how unfair this system is and how real this system is and, and how big this system of racism and discrimination is. And, and, yeah, and there's the whole, you know, realising that it's not just about race. Also that, you know, as a woman... Uh, and being black, oh my gosh, you face that double form of racism. Um, as someone who is, let's say, Muslim, let's say someone who is gay or someone who's disabled and also black, they face all these different um, levels of discrimination just based on their identity. So, that's a lot, there's a lot. Um, and so I think it's important to acknowledge that, you know, there are different dynamics, um, that come into play when teaching anti-racism, when learning about anti-racism, when organizations want to become anti-racist and, and to not just see this as a, a, a project that will just be done, ticked, sorted, let's move on to the next thing. It's, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. We're looking at behavioral change that takes time. Okay. So that's it. Um, thank you so much for listening. I look forward to um, spending more time with you on these podcasts. And please, please, please check out the website strawberrywords.co.uk. We've got some really exciting um, projects coming up. Ah, yeah. I don't want to say too soon, but um, yeah, watch out. If you're not on the mailing list, why not? Join the mailing list. So go onto the website, join the mailing list, um, because we have some really exciting um, offers for you if you're from an organization very soon. All right, that's it. Bye.